Ever since there have been followers of God, we have been asked to compromise. And the church, unfortunately, makes a lot of compromises throughout the ages, and there are a lot of churches and denominations who you can see and considered who have compromised so far that you think that um, there's almost no recognition of who our Lord and Master is. But there are times in the history of the people of God where they're not only just asking for us to compromise. They're asking for us to bend the knee to their God. And as I see the world, I think those are some of the times that may, we may very well be looking at. But I want to prepare you for that. Not just compromise, but bending the knee to another God. I've struggled with what to call this series. My natural inclination would have been to call it the heroes of the faith. But the problem with that as a title is as I've heard people who were given medals of honor and bravery for their service to our country in times of war, where they acted either in such brave fashion that they discounted their life to achieve a goal or to save multiple uh, brothers in arms. And every time I heard them speak and people would say, well, you're a hero, their response was, no, I'm not a hero. The heroes are those who die. And so many of the people we're going to look at over the next several weeks are not people who died, but people who God brought through the fire. And so that didn't work. And I also understand that brevity is the soul of wit. So I was hoping to narrow down the, the, the title, but I couldn't. And so the title of this series is Resolve to Obey and Worship Only the Lord God. Not a short title, but it is, there is that resolution that I will not bow my knee when the world commands me to worship someone else. And so today's subtitle is Another in the Fire, because we're going to take a look at three young Hebrew men who we know not by their Hebrew names. And so I would encourage you to look in the beginning of the book of Daniel to see their names, their Hebrew names. One of the sad things in, in is we don't know them by their Hebrew names. We know them by their Babylonian names. And their Babylonian names are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And we know of them because of this particular event. And so in Daniel chapter 3, starting with verse 1, it says this, Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold, the height of which was 60 cubits, and its width 6 cubits. For he set it up on the plain of Dura, in the province of Babylon. Now, we don't go by cubits, and there's some quite, you know, some people say, well, it's the point of your nose until this and whatever. We've kind of broken it down to about 18 inches. 
And so if we use the idea of 18 inches, then Nebuchadnezzar built a statue of himself that is 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide. Now, Nebuchadnezzar, the king, he assembled the satraps and the perfects and the governors, the counselors and the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the rulers of the provinces to come at the dedication of the image of, that Nebuchadnezzar, the king, had set up. Then the satraps, the prefects, the governors, the counselors, the governors, the judges, the treasurers, and the magistrates, and the rulers of the provinces were assembled for the dedication of the image that Nebuchadnezzar, the king, had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. So we have all of these rulers and, and official people and, and governmental officials who are assembled on the plain staring at this 90-foot statue in the image of the king, Nebuchadnezzar. And so we have this assembly. Then the herald loudly proclaimed, To you the command is given, O peoples, nations, and men of every language, that the moment that you hear the sound of the horn, flute, lyre, tigran, psaltery, bagpipe, and all kinds of music, you are to fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar, the king, has set up. So it wasn't just sufficient that everybody assemble to admire the image of the king, this idol. They were required when they heard the music to bow down and worship the image. That was the command. You were to do that. Whenever you heard the music, and they covered it all. The only time I ever heard about bagpipes was, was Scotland. But apparently there were bagpipes in Babylonia. Must have been a great sound. But whoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately be cast into the midst of a furnace of blazing fire. Now, in our country, go, well, wait a minute. You can't do that because we have constitutional rights and we're supposed to have a right to have our accusers presented and have a trial and then if found guilty by a jury of our peers, then we're supposed to receive a sentence. It's, no, you don't perform. You die now. There's no trial. There's no presumption of innocence. You are going to die and you are going to die in a fiery flame. Now, it is interesting that he chooses this as a mode of execution. Throughout the, the ages, when you want to execute somebody, oftentimes they would do it humanely, and they'd chop your head off. Kind of a quick type thing. But when you wanted to get rid of heretics, they burned you at the stake. You are considered a heretic if you don't bow down and worship the golden image. Therefore, at that time, 
when all the peoples heard the sound of the horn, the flute, the lyre, the tigron, the psaltery, the bagpipes, and all kinds of music, all the people of the nations and men of every language and fell down and worshiped the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. For this reason, at that time, certain Chaldeans came forward and brought charges against the Jews. They responded and said, Nebuchadnezzar, the king, O king, live forever. You king, O king, have made a decree that every man who hears the sound of the horn, the flute, the lyre, the tigron, the psaltery, and the bagpipe, and all kinds of music are to fall down and worship the golden image. But whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into the midst of a fern that's a blazing fire. So they're repeating the command. They're saying, we have an accusation. Here's what you have commanded. And there are certain people who haven't done it. There are certain Jews whom you have, have uh, appointed over the administration of the provinces of Babylon, namely Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have disregarded you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image which you have set up. Their statement is, they don't worship you. They don't take you seriously. You set this up. You set a decree. You set the law, and they refuse to do it. Then Nebuchadnezzar, enraged and anger, gave orders to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then these three men were brought before the king. Nebuchadnezzar responded and said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Now, fair question. But they're asking it of Jewish young men. Jewish young men who know the scriptures, who have been told, thou shalt serve the Lord thy God only, and only him shall you serve. And thou shalt not make a graven image and worship it. There are two of the Ten Commandments that these young men know about. And because of that, they have made a commitment. Now, if you are ready, at the moment that you hear the sound of the, ho the horn, the flute, the tigron, the lyre, the psaltery, the bagpipes, and all kinds of music to fall down and worship the image that I have made very well. But if you do not worship, you will immediately be cast into the midst of a furnace, a blazing fire. And what God is there who can deliver you out of my hand? You see, Nebuchadnezzar was used to having it his way. He was absolute power. He didn't need a court. He didn't need other government. He didn't need the legislature. When he made a statement, it was law. And when he made an order or a decree, it was to be observed. So he gave Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego one more opportunity because he figured the, his presence and his authority and his law and the 
immediate sentence of death would intimidate. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to give you an answer concerning this matter. You see, they had already resolved to obey God. That was their resolution. They were resolved to obey God, and it didn't matter what the consequences were. You may tell me to worship you, but God told me no. You may say I may bow down to an image that's an idol, and God has said no. I don't need to think about it. I don't need to worry about it. I don't need to figure out what else to do. God said no. I don't need to think about it. If it be so, our God whom we serve, and now they place it, we don't serve you, king. You may be the king, and we may be slaves, and we may have gone from Judah and Jerusalem as young men who were valued as important and brought to your country and to serve your kingdom, but we may unofficially be in your kingdom. But we do serve our God, regardless of the circumstance. And our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire. And he will deliver us out of your hand. Notice he says, our God's able to. But they're smart. Because they don't tell God how to do them. Because, let's face it, if you or me and we were facing a blazing fire, our prayer would be, God, please deliver me from the blazing fire. I don't want to be in the blazing fire. They said, our God is able to deliver us from the furnace. But even if he does not, let it be known to you, O king, that we are not going to serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. We're willing to die on this hill because we will not bow our knee to your gods or to you because we serve God. And there's going to come a time when the world is going to expect us to bow our knee to their God to stay silent in our worship of our God. And our God is able to deliver us. But even if he doesn't, we're going to do what is our commitment to him. To serve him and serve him only, and to worship him and him only, to obey him and him only. Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with wrath. And his facial expressions was altered towards Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, this is natural. When somebody who has absolute power, they expect you to obey absolutely. And then they say, oh, okay, we'll just call the whole thing off. No, no. They are in power, and they are in charge, and you're going to do what you're going to do. And if you don't, I'm going to be angry, and I'm going to be vindictive, and I'm going to make sure you suffer. He answered by giving orders to heat the furnace seven times more than it was usually heated. Now, 
if I were going to go into a fire, I would probably view that as an act of mercy. He's viewing it as an act of rage that I'm going to make sure that they're burned up. But the hotter the fire is, the quicker I die. It's when the flames lap at your feet is when it's really painful. So, so I'm firm saying, okay, God, thank you for your deliverance of me because I'm going to die quickly. God's got another. So it's heated seven times more. And he commanded certain valiant warriors who were in the, his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in order to cast them into the furnace of blazing fire. Then these men were tied up in their trousers, their coats, and their caps, and their other clothes, and were cast into the midst of the furnace of blazing fire. So they were, just as they were dressed, with all the actual added kindling, their clothing, they were tied up and thrown into the fire. For this reason, because of the king's command was urgent and the furnace had been made extremely hot, the flames of, of the fire slew those men who carried Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So it's a good thing that they were valiant warriors because they died on that hill. Following the commands, the king's command. Now up until this point, we're going to think, okay, I, I, it's probably at least three guys. I would say probably six warriors, two per guy. So there's six plus three, so that's nine people who you expect to die. But these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell into the midst of the furnace, the blazing fire, still tied up. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished and stood up in haste, and he said to his high officials, Was it not three men we cast into the midst of the fire? They replied to the king, Certainly, O king. You don't want to disobey or, or correct the king. Three guys in. You say three guys in, we agree. Three guys in. He said, look, I see four men loose and walking about in the midst of fire without harm. And the appearance of the fourth was like a son of the God. They were tied up in their clothes and they're walking around in the fire. You see, that's why we make a mistake when we tell God what to do. When we pray God deliver us, we usually mean we want to exit and go somewhere else. God says, no, no, I'm going to deliver you, but I'm going to deliver you in the fire. Because I'm going to get glory that you're going to walk around in the fire. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego knew who God was. And they knew that God had the power to deliver them. Now, they may not have known that God had the power to deliver them by walking around with them in the fire. But they made a commitment, whether that cost them their lives or not, they would do as God had commanded. Can you imagine? Everybody there expecting instantaneous death 
of these three guys. And these three guys are walking around like it's Sunset Beach. And there's a fourth one. We all ask questions. I would love to know what their conversation was like when they were in the What were they talking with this fourth? What were they saying? I bet part of what they're saying is, our God is awesome. Our God is powerful. Our God is merciful. And our God delivered us. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the furnace of blazing fire and responded and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, come out, you servants of the Most High God, and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the midst of the fire. Notice the change in Nebuchadnezzar. He could have heated the fire ten more times. Twelve more times. But instead, he knew he had met his match with the Lord God that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego served. And he goes, no. The satraps, the prefects, the governors, and the king's high officials gathered around and saw in regard to these men that the fire had no effect on their bodies of these men, for, nor was the hair on their head singed, nor were their trousers damaged, nor had they the smell of fire had come upon them. They were so immune by the fire that it had absolutely no effect. I can't go to the beach and roast a marshmallow and come home and not smell smoke. They were in the fire. And God so delivered that their clothes were the same, their hair was the same, no singes, and no smell of smoke. Because that's exactly the power of our God. He doesn't just save us a little bit. He doesn't save us just partially. He saves us Completely. The Nebuchadnezzar responded and said, Because the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who have sent his angel and delivered his servants who put their trust in him, violating the king's command and yielding up their bodies to so as to be not to serve or worship any God except their own God. Therefore, I make a decree that any people, nations, or tongue that speaks anything offensive against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn in from limb to limb and their houses reduced to a rubbish heap, inasmuch as there is no other God who is able to deliver in this way. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego served God and obeyed God and knew that God could deliver them. 
I don't think anybody in their wildest imagination would see that the king would go from, you worship me, to if anybody says anything negative about their God, we're going to rip you apart. What if Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had been to me? They had not gone through the fire. They would not have been delivered. And the king would not have changed his view of God's people. Maybe God has called us to walk in the fire because he has something more in store than just our lives. Maybe he, he delivered Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego because it brought him glory because afterwards people said, he's God. Or maybe if he puts us in the fire, he doesn't deliver us out of the fire because he will get more glory in us going through the fire than being delivered from the fire. Because it's not about us. It's about him. He's the deliverer. He's the awesome one. And not only did Nebuchadnezzar the absolute ruler and dictator of Babylon. Not only make this decree, notice the result of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then the king caused Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to prosper in the province of Babylon. They prospered because they followed God. Because they obeyed God. And they did not bow the knee. I can't guarantee you that in this life, if you obey God, you'll prosper. There are a lot of churches that will tell you that. If you just say the right things, if you just believe the right thing, if you just have enough faith, everything will be wonderful. The reason why I did not want to call this series the heroes of the faith, because there are a lot of heroes who died in the film. And they are just as much heroes as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We just don't know their names at all. We know Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's Babylonian name. We have trouble knowing their Hebrew names. But there have been men and women, believers, and followers and disciples of God who we don't know who never bowed the knee regardless of the consequences. But I do know just as he was in the fire with them, his word tells us that he will never leave us nor forsake us. Not persecution, not nakedness, peril, not famine. Notice he didn't say, I will exempt you from these things. He said, I will be with you in these things. And just as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego went through the fire, sometimes we got to go through the fire. He's there with us. Whether we burn or we burn. 
and that there is a sin. That the world will never understand our commitment to God. That they expect us to do as they have done and bow the knee. The last scripture is found in Ephesians. And it says something like this in chapter 2, verse 20. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us. See, that's why I say, let's not tell God how to do something. Let's just say, God, this is, we need deliverance. Whether that deliverance is going through the sea or going through the fire or going through the battle, God, you do what you do and help me to have the strength and the courage to walk with you. Because your word says you will never leave me or forsake me that you will deliver me. And because you have such awesome power that I can't even comprehend, I'll let you answer my request in any way you see fit. And if you want me to go through the fire, then praise God, I'll go through the fire. If you want me to stay out of the fire, then you deliver me from the fire. But you do what you do, and I'll obey and worship you. Because I know whether I'm Burned or not, there's another in the fire. Another in the fire. You are never alone. You don't walk alone, no matter how you feel, no matter what circumstances may say. God's word says, therefore, believe it. Act according to it. And see what glory comes from God from it. And all God's people said.